Today on Let Me Be Frank, we're joined by a really remarkable guy. His name is Damian O'Connor. He's the Vice President of Evangelization and Faith Formation with the Knights of Columbus. And he's going to tell Bishop Caggiano all about the great programs that the Knights are doing to strengthen men so that they can, in turn, strengthen their families. So keep your radio right here for that conversation, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, or keep us on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or VeritasCatholic.com. If you're listening on podcast, you can help us out by going and giving us a five-star rating. And Let Me Be Frank, as you know, is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad, the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, it's always good to be with you, my friend. Here we are, Excellency. Second week of Advent. I was going to say, as we hurdle our way to Christmas. Because really, the second week of Advent is almost like the third week of Advent, because there is no fourth week of Advent. So, I mean... Christmas is right. what two two weeks away. Is that scary? It's it's inside. It's in line with the times. You know, everything's in a rush these yeah, days. Did you so do all your go. shopping? Did I ask you that last time? Did you finish your shopping? <laughs> no. no, I only have one person that I need to shop for, which is Rula, and uh, I have not done it yet. And what about your children? Don't tell me Rula shops for you. Don't make don't don't admit that in public. <laughs> <laughs> Just take the uh, no Fifth comment. Amendment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh gosh. Well, let me let me get into it because we have a really great guest with us today, Excellency. Mm-hmm. So, uh, an old friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, we're joined today by Damien O'Connor. Damien has worked for the church in various capacities for the past thirty years or so, and so I pulled together some highlights uh, from his extensive and impressive resume. So in, in 2011, Damien was appointed to the National Advisory Council of the USCCB, and then he was elected uh, as chair to the executive board the following year. In 2017, Damien was hired by the Knights of Columbus, and he started as the director of Catholic Information Service, uh, it was promoted to senior director of evangelization and faith formation for the Fraternal Mission Department. And then in 2021, he was promoted to Vice President of Evangelization and Faith Formation. And Damien has been involved in developing and launching many really important initiatives for the Knights, like the Faith in Action program model, the Into the Breach video series, and the new initiative called CORE, that's uh, C-O-R, which is Latin for heart. Mm-hmm. Damien uh, lives in Milford with his wife, Monica, and their three children. And so welcome to Let Me Be Frank, Damien O'Connor. Thank you so much. I'm very, very blessed to join you both. Yeah, no, it's been a, we worked together for a number yeah. of years. So it's it's like old times. And, and I'm did. grateful that you took the time to, to join the podcast because this gives us an opportunity to explore some of the work, the great work that the Knights of Columbus are doing with your leadership. 
right? But before we do that, most people who are listening to us do not know who Damien O'Connor is. So you get the standard first question. Tell us, to the extent that you wish, your faith journey. Like, how did you get to where you are now when you look back on your life? Well, I am extremely blessed. I often, no matter what role I've ever had, I've often, I always feel like I'm not qualified or not worthy uh, of that. Uh, but I remember as a kid going on a high school, just a youth retreat. I, and I remember um, encountering experience, what I guess we call the gift of tears. I, and I was very strange at the time. And from that point on, I always felt in prayer, whether again, I felt qualified or not. I always felt like God had said to me, bring them to me. And mm -hmm. I usually said, but I don't, I don't know how to do that. <clears throat> you know, mm -hmm. what, what do you mean by that? And it, and God keeps over the years, it's the same thing. And it's also for my own family. What I keep hearing from our Lord is just bring them to me. Stop worrying about all the details. Uh, and so focusing on that um, has helped me a great deal. And mm -hmm. then one other thing, if I may, if my father, I, my first job was teaching in a high school, all boys. And I thought it was God's gift to the world. And I thought I was going to teach them about religion and they were going to grow in their faith. And and I hated these kids the first two weeks. I was, you know, and it was not them. It was me. I needed to learn how to teach. And I called my father and I complained and complained. And he said, uh, are you done? And I said, yeah, I'm done. Like I thought he was going to have some empathy. And he said, you may be the only person in any given day through which they will encounter Christ. And I remember saying, well, what is that supposed to mean? I was all frustrated, but it changed my life. And it's something that gives me focus every day. I might be it. And I certainly don't say that in some sort of arrogant way. I usually, as I said, often don't feel qualified, but I might be the only person that does something loving mm -hmm. for someone mm -hmm. else. You know, mm -hmm. and you want to hold the door and they're like four feet too far away. It's kind of weird to stand there and hold it. I might be the only person that does something nice for them all day. And so it helps give me focus. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, those are kind of high level uh, answer to your question. You yeah. Know, it's just, yeah. So your dad was a big presence in your life, your faith formation. Yes. Is that, is that true? I would say yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's God rest his soul. And he passed away in 2015. Um, but he had a huge impact in my life and Bishop, I didn't realize it until after he passed. Not funny. You know, you, you reflect on it later. Oh, you would add a doubt. Oh yeah. no, without a doubt, without a doubt. Wow. So, uh, oh, Steve alluded to the fact that you've had many, many different roles in 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 the life of the church, right? So yes. he named some. Um, any highlights from any of that history? Like you just mentioned, one about your first day of teaching. Anything else strike you? And because you have been involved in a lot, a lot of different things before you wound up at the nights. Anything strike you? Anything memorable? Memories? Memories you want to forget that you want to share with us? <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> I, I I mean this even, I know I'm, I'm speaking with you now, uh, but I do mean this. Growing up around priests, which I did, so my great uncle was um, a member of the Sacred Hearts Fathers, the same orders of St. Damien, who I was named after. Oh. So I grew up around priests and then one of the greatest thrills and blessings of my life was to work sincerely in the Diocese of Bridgeport because I got to work with so many priests, different skill sets, personalities, the whole, the whole nine yards. But I felt, it felt like putting on a glove because I grew up around priests. And mm -hmm. so I just always felt very comfortable uh, with them. So that, that's something that's always meant a great deal to me. And mm -hmm. 
staying friends with them, welcoming them to mm-hmm. our home. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, mm-hmm. it, honestly, that is one of the highlights working with, with the priest. That's great. Tremendous. So now you're with the Knights of Columbus. Look. I have, I may be a person who has never heard that there are even such a thing as Knights of Columbus. Yeah. So what are the what are, what are, what are the Knights of Columbus? Let's start with that. W- what is it? Well, it's a Men's Fraternal Benefit Society, and it is uh, it's been around since uh, 141 years. Mm-hmm. Blessed McGivney started it in New Haven, Connecticut, mm-hmm. at a time when there was quite a bit of uh, anti-Catholicism that permeated mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also lots of other organizations that were pulling men from his parish mm-hmm. uh, away from the faith. And so, and he also found that there was many men who were dying at a young age or, or whatever age, but, uh, and had nothing left for the family. Uh, and so the laws are very different back then, Bishop. So you'd have um, the state would come in and say, you have to show that you can financially take care of your children. And if you couldn't do su- such a thing, then they would then take your children. And, the, and it was a horrible, horrible time. And so what we did, um, I, I would never say that McGivney knew that he would start an insurance company, which is a huge part of the Knights of Columbus now, but he did want to start finding a way that we could put our money together, you know, and how do we do that and help these families that, that need it. And so the Knights of Columbus was, was started to kind of counteract what he was seeing in the, in the, in the secular world, especially with all the anti-Catholic stuff going on. And it has now evolved into um, an organization of over 2 million members. We have 16,000 councils worldwide. And what attracts me most to him is, of course, what I a lot of what I just said, but also McGivney cared deeply about the formation of men. So you see in his writings and his letters, he didn't want formed men. Of course, of course they were welcome. He wanted Catholic men to come in and then he wanted them to be formed in the faith, to grow in their relationship with mm-hmm, Christ, to make mm-hmm. Christ the center of mm-hmm, their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as we've been creating different initiatives and programs at, at the Knights over the last six years, I keep going back to that to our guys because the old timers, they might think, well, you're changing the nights and we're really not. We're just being more intentional about who we've always been. Um, but we're known for our service work and for our insurance and so on and so forth. But now we're leading with faith and right. it's, a, it's a very exciting time for us. Right. Right. You, in the language that I use in, in this whole conversation we're having in Bridgeport about renewal, the renewal of the church I used the the, uh, the relationship between discipleship and ministry. Yeah. So ministry are the are the are the works on behalf of the community of faith. But if you don't have the relationship with the Lord, that's the root of why you would do what you do in ministry, right? So it's basically recovering what what the founder, Blessed McGivney, was really all about, right? That's exactly right. And so our service work now becomes mission work. Because yeah. it's, it's based in faith. See, that's a great way to, to put it, right? And I think a lot of, and of course, I'm a fourth degree knight, right? And I'm, so there's 1,999,000, and plus me, so it's 2 million. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I would think it's, and this is not judgmental, this is just an observation. I think a lot of the our brother knights, for them, that would be a revelation, right? That there is such a distinction. And... Right. And, and the distinction is an important one. Right. Because a lot of good, the, the Knights do a tremendous amount of good. 
just a charity alone is in some places is the difference between life and death for a lot of people, a lot of families. Right. But that that's correct. And it's, um, I pinch myself some days cause I, mm-hmm. to be around these guys, uh, and I get to travel a lot, meet with mm-hmm. them around the country or beyond outside of the country too. And there, I've never seen laymen that are so dedicated and mm-hmm. give up so much of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really incredible. No, nobody gets paid. It's all volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an enormous amount of work that they put into it volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think we forget that mm-hmm. because we try not to toot our horns. We try not to, you know, share, oh, look at me. Um, but God, I, when I go around and I give talks to these guys, I, I tell them, I, it even sounds like I'm joking that, you know, you're supposed to say, thank you. It's an honor to be here. But I tell them it is an honor. It mm-hmm. is an honor to be here, to mm-hmm. be with you. Mm-hmm. Because you work much harder than I do and you don't pay a thing. Like it's right. incredible the the commitment that they have. So right. I'm deeply, deeply blessed to work there. I remember when when the Supreme Knight does his annual address at the convention, he makes reference to the service hours. Really? Right. And I think it was Carl Anderson who actually put and of course uh, the current Supreme Knight may do the same. That I don't recall, but I, I remember Carl Anderson put an actual number of what that would have been in equivalent terms. Yeah. And it was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars just in the service hours alone, besides yeah. the money that's raised, right? So now you, you said something very interesting, right? So m- the formation of men, yeah. what do you see as the landscape of men in the life of the church? Uh, the, the, the spiritual state of men in general and what what are you keenly aware of as the guidepost to say okay we're going to form men and we're going to talk about some of these programs right, which mm-hmm. are exciting what are some of the guideposts when you say okay we're going to address men in formation these are the sort of things we have to keep in mind so like what do you see as the state of things in general among men in the church I think that, excuse me, men have either forgotten or more likely not been taught, especially the younger generation, what it means to be a Catholic man. I think there's, we hear too often in secular society that there's, um, masculinity is toxic and things like that. Uh, And so I think men don't even know where to begin. And so any of the efforts we're making at the nights is to assume nothing to teach them like really grassroots, very simple, uh, whether it's from prayer or living your faith as a, as a husband, as a father, like we're finding that they don't even know the story. They don't even know Christ himself. Like it's, 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 it's that serious. And so it's easy to be in Catholic circles and to point the finger at some of these guys and, and say, you're not living your faith and everything's falling apart. But I come at it personally from a different perspective. Have we taught them? Have we emulated it for them? Have we, so I think it's there are men I know because I see it every day that are that are dying to live their faith, but don't know how to do it. They they want their brotherhood. They don't even know where to begin because we're all we're all using these things all the time, and so we're on our phone, right? And so that's how we're socializing, and that is not. Um, that does not fill your soul whatsoever. Right. It may feel like it take up a lot of time, but at the end of the day, the question is, well, how's that working out for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for me. I mm-hmm. need brotherhood. I need to be with other men. I need to be with other Catholic families. 
but mm-hmm. I have to be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing men and women, families, that they're letting it come to them. And in the today's world, we don't live in a Christian society anymore. We mm-hmm. just don't. And it's not to be negative, but we have to now look at and say, well, I have to be intentional about how I live my faith, the choices that I make. But I think uh, men are really lost in a lot of ways out mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. when you provide the simplest of experience where they can encounter Christ or experience even just brotherhood, they love it. Well, why is that? Because it's in our DNA. It's what we desire. But I don't even know that some even men even know that they need it or want it, if that makes sense. Oh, no, without a doubt. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity, I was asked to give a talk at a gentleman's home in New York, not far from our diocese, and over 90 men were there, all different ages. And the funny thing is, what I I discovered afterwards is that a good amount of them stayed till 2 a.m. Yeah. Because it's all a question of, you call it brotherhood, and perhaps another way of describing it the way I would describe it is more like um, friendship. Uh-huh. It's, it's the guy, guys need mentoring is be one of the things I would say in my own, yeah. that they learn more from other role models than something necessarily that's taught in the classroom. Now the classroom is important. The teaching the faith is important, but you need somebody who, especially when you're young, you need role models, you need mentors, you need somebody who's going to kind of teach you the ropes of life and you trust them. Right, so that is brotherhood or fatherhood too. Is another way of looking at it. If it's yeah. an older man with a younger man, yeah. So it's the see, but the knights have that built in because the council, the guys get together, right? So you do have that piece of the puzzle. It's question of how do you strengthen it, right? Would that be a fair way of putting it? I would hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. So we we come together. We have our Knights Columbus meetings. You know, and so it's not that. Not those really... are the most, they're not the most exciting part of the evening, but you got to get your work done, right? <laughs> well, that's really well said. That's exactly what it's for. It's a business meeting and it's not meant to give that environment of friendship or brotherhood. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's meant to get business done. And so some of the things we've been working on the last six or seven years is about, okay, that's great, but that's only one lung. What's the second lung? We need both. As a matter of, and the other lung is really the primary lung where it has to be based in faith and in friendship mm-hmm. and in formation mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Because then if you ask me, if, I, if I'm being well-formed in the faith and I love to get together with my brothers and we just come together in that capacity. And then you say, we got to get some business done too. I'm more likely to say, yeah, I get it. Sure. Absolutely. Right. But if that's all that we do, eh, I yes. go to meetings all day. I don't want to go to another meeting. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And of course, men are competitive. I guess everybody is, but men are competitive too. So I remember, I haven't gone to many of the, this was years ago when I was a a curate and uh, I went to a few of the business meetings and some of the, some of the things that people spent all this time on, like Minuzzi and I'm thinking to myself, who cares? (laughs) I just (laughs) split the difference and move on. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you have to channel that energy somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. To, to the spiritual piece, right? Exactly. So talk, talk to us about this core program. Mm-hmm. So what? roughly four years ago, um, I, I, it really bothered me, and, I, and, and hopefully in a good way. So having worked in the church for so long, and um, St. John Paul II refers to us as strong right arm of the church. It's a huge compliment, right? Uh, we're knights of the Eucharist. We're building our domestic churches. But it really bothered me that at our grassroots level, 
we say so we say these things or we hear these things or we accept these compliments or descriptions. But at the grassroots level, we weren't providing um, basic faith formation. We weren't really praying together the way we should. More than, and I love Our Lady, especially today, but, you know, it's not just a Hail Mary. It's, it's, it's ample prayer time together. We didn't provide that. We didn't provide, at the end of the day, Bishop, this, this space in which men can come together and encounter Christ. And then I thought, we have 16,000 councils. We already, when I worked for the church, you had to go out and get people. Well, they're already coming. You know, for the knights are coming to the, their council meet, at least to their meeting. What if we can figure out a way to create that space in which they can receive prayer, faith formation, and fraternity, separate from the business, a whole separate time? And you can't force it because you can't force faith on anybody, but it's an invitation. Uh, and so we we proposed this crazy idea to our state deputy. So that would be the guy that's in ch charge of the whole state. So like for Connecticut. And we have 73, 74 worldwide. We were hoping for five volunteers, five jurisdictions, five states, 21 volunteers, which was significant. And in this last, in the, we started in January this year. Now we're at um, 64 worldwide have volunteered to do it. Wow. And we went in January of 64 councils, which is not a lot worldwide to 800 this past summer to we just got the latest data and 4,355 now want to implement core. So I'm not claiming for a second that this is a brilliant program that no one's ever thought of before. What I find interesting is that the, when we're saying we're going to offer you an opportunity for those three things, prayer formation and fraternity, they're very drawn to that and they want in. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. core honestly just gives the space. For mm -hmm. that to happen. Mm -hmm. And what we also hope is an advantage is that whether it's our own products that I'm happy to talk about today or other products that from other organizations, maybe it's Exodus 90, maybe it's that man is you, they now fit into core. And so what's the value out of coming to core? Well, it's perpetual. It doesn't end. You always have an opportunity for those three things and to be growing in your faith. Right. And this is not a critique of these other programs, but they have a beginning and an right. end where core is perpetual. Right. And, and just for clarification, correct me if I'm wrong, but the right. core meeting is open also to men who are not Knights of Columbus. That's exactly right. It's open to any, any man any in man. the parish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've also been asked, well, what if they're not Catholic? They're most welcome uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had one guy say to me, well, I need to leave nameless. He said, well, this guy's coming and he's not Catholic and he's really enjoying it. And he, you know, and he, and he, what do I, what do I do with them? Uh, to thank him, to tell him to bring 10 more. I mean, he's I, like the best guy. He's helping fold up the chairs at the end. I said, well, what, isn't that wonderful? Man, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's why like, did what? you heal Lord on the Sabbath? Excuse right. me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what if he wants to join the faith? I said, is that a good thing? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? You know? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, so so what are the uh, the uh, elements of like what are the products of core? Like what uh, wh what do you provide? Let's say uh, I'm at Saint Esmeralda, and so you know this sounds like a good idea. We have the council; we're going to create this core meeting. Do you have materials set up? Everything published? You would just tell we do, us? yeah. It's uh, kfc.org/slash/core. Simple okay. enough. KFC and anybody org. can get them. 
anybody could get them and they're all free. And there's guides to, uh, another thing I haven't mentioned of those three things that must be in core, uh, they can vary as far as the duration of each of those three. So let's say, you know, whatever parish I'm at, and I have the councils there that's running this, um, but we really need much more time in fraternity. So maybe the, the rate, in other words, the ratio can change as, as needed, or maybe we really need a lot to spend a lot more time in prayer this particular month. Okay. So we work with father and we requested, could we have a holy hour together or maybe right. Right. Even better, really join in the parish's holy hour, you know, right. and so the, the ratio can can change. But the other thing that we insist on is that everything is a teachable moment. So if you're going to pray the rosary, which is a wonderful prayer, obviously, do not assume everyone knows how to pray the rosary. And right. so, and if I'm leading it, I not only do I give out guides to pray the rosary, I'm also holding that guide as well. Because it makes the people, the men more comfortable. They're saying, okay, everyone's using this. All right. Because I, I carry a rosary, but I, you know, I'm not really comfortable. I don't always pray. We're going to do it together, you know? And then the more you do it, the more, mm-hmm. the more they learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is meant to be formative, but also we, we want to teach them. We mm-hmm. should never assume anything. And we want to be very comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there's three Maybe. Fs, formation, yeah. fraternity, and prayer. Oh, prayer. Oh, so it's mm-hmm. two Fs and one P. Okay. okay. The, the one thing I would say, though, it's got to be food. Somewhere food has to be in this, no? Oh, no, no. And if you go to our website, what I, the, the one I just gave you, you'll see the example. We have lots of examples of how to mm-hmm. do it. And mm-hmm. there's always, there's food. Yeah. Thank God. Pasta, okay. usually. E- even better. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> when we so, come back from the break, we have more to talk about. Wonderful. Yeah. So okay. So let's let's take a quick break right there. Where uh, His Excellency is speaking with Damien O'Connor, the Vice President for Evangelization and Faith Formation with the Knights of Columbus, and we'll be right back. If you're concerned about your end of life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. 
His Excellency is speaking with Damien O'Connor with the Knights of Columbus talking about strengthening men so they can strengthen their families. Mm-hmm. Damien, um, can a, a, a group start core without their pastor? No, and I'm, I'm, thank you for asking that. Uh, we are in the Knights of Columbus, we are in service to the pastor uh, if, we're at, if we're at that parish. So if we are at a parish uh, before we start core, and that's all in our instructions, if you go to the website, kfc.org slash core, uh, the very first thing you do is to meet with your pastor mm-hmm. and to explain to him what core is. Mm-hmm. And we even teach you how to explain it because he may not, he maybe mm-hmm. he's not from this country or maybe he is and he doesn't know the Knights. And even if he does, we still need to explain what this is. And father has to approve us having it uh, in his parish. Now there's, there's different layers of this. It could be there's an incredible men's group that's already there. So we still propose it to Father, and he may say, you know what, we have an incredible men's group, we don't need that. And if that's what he says, then we don't, then we don't have it mm-hmm. at that parish. But maybe they don't have a men's group, or maybe they have a men's group that's kind of, it's okay. And Father says, would you be willing to work with them, and let, let's figure this out together. Mesh the two. Sure, absolutely. So that's, there's different ways we can implement it, but mm-hmm. ultimately, mm-hmm. Father has to approve it. It has to be good for the parish mm-hmm. before we move forward. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I'm sure in most of our communities now, English may be the predominant language, but not the sole language. Yeah. And in some in some communities, English may not even be the dominant language. Is core in other languages besides English? The material? Yeah, so it's in, in Spanish, uh, in French. We're about to, before the end of this year, all of that will be launched on the website also. It's already been translated into Polish. It's being used in, in Poland. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to... Mm-hmm. Um, to have it as many languages as, as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also going to be translated into Korean. Uh, so, and that, that's all very, very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Tremendous. Well, that's tremendous step forward, right? And please God is going to yield a, trem- a great fruit for the whole church, but it's not the only focus, is it? I mean, you, the Knights also make family life a key piece of their ministry, right? So wh- what do you have in store in that world? We, uh, on uh, September 29th, we launched a new video series called Into the Breach, Mission of the Family. And to be honest, that came honestly just through prayer. We had created a video series prior to that called Into the Breach, but and that glory to God was very successful. But we really felt like God was calling us to step uh, into this world of trying to teach as much as possible. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, even emulate through these videos um, how to live a sacramental marriage, how to make Christ the center of your family. But one of the things I really love about the series, and, and yes, I'm biased, is that it's very practical. It's very down to earth. It's not all pie in the sky, everything is great in marriage, because it's not. So one of the episodes is on healing, because maybe the couple or the family has generational issues that need healing. Maybe it's just between my wife and I, you know. And so how do you do that? And so the, the episodes are, they're about 12 minutes long. We have five in total plus six would be the, the trailer and they're about 12 minutes long. And then there's a study guide that goes with them, but the topics help you go much deeper into, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of, not all of them, but a lot of issues you mm-hmm. deal with, uh, in a family, some of them wonderful, some of them are challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hope is to help people realize this, uh, the, this vision of, of marriage that our Lord gave us that we're really meant to have a joy that has no bounds. We're, 
we're not meant to be fighting the world on by ourselves. We're, we're meant to, to be that, that living sacrament. I, I remember when I was a pre-Cana a long time ago, and Father said, you are that living sacrament. You and your wife will be that. You're the sign. You're, it's not a symbol or something you wear. And I remember it scared the heck out of me, but it was also inspiring too. And I realized, gosh, marriage is important. We, we can affect society and the world by how we live, mm-hmm. you know? And so the Knights were simply trying to um, step into that world a bit and to do our, mm-hmm. our part um, mm-hmm. because we're in so many parishes around the world mm-hmm. to just give one more option for families, honestly, mm-hmm. to, to go a little bit deeper and to, to learn mm-hmm. how to live our faith uh, as mm-hmm. a family, as a couple. Mm-hmm. No, it's fascinating. It's, um, uh, the husband and wife images God in a beautifully and perhaps even more complete way than that the individual human person images God. Yeah. Because uh, in many in many ways, uh, the unitive aspect of marriage reflects the unity that's in, in God. There is one God emptying himself. God gives life because we're here, obviously, in all creation. But it's communal. God is one, but more than one. So in marriage, Amen. we say to become one. Right? Amen. Yeah. Is that interesting? Yeah. It is. But and, but what about children now? What, are, are they part of these films or is there more coming? And you think down the road, another video series tackling the questions of we're husband and wife, but we're also parents and we have to try to raise kids in this crazy world. <laughs> no, they're very much part of the series. Uh, looking at just a couple of the other titles are healing in the family, but also creating a, fam- a legacy of faith. And so that whole episode is about how to do that with your children. And one of the things I love in that episode is the, the, the couple, the family rather, that we're focusing on, the, the husband, the dad, talks about daily prayer time together. And it sounds great. But then he's very honest and says, it takes a Herculean effort to get through it, though, a lot of times. And there's a great clip where the kid's jumping all over top of him and they're trying to pray the rosary, you know. And I love it because it's real. You know, it's extremely important to create that legacy of faith, but we shouldn't assume that these so-called holy Catholic families, that it's easy for them either. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a struggle, right. but it's a struggle well worth it. You know, right. you know I mentioned this in, a, in an earlier podcast. You know Father Peter Towsley very well. Sure. Maybe, right? So uh, Father Towsley is involved with the missionaries to the family. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Again, maybe because I myself am celibate, and therefore I don't have a, a spouse, I don't have a wife. But the insight that was shared by the families that they challenge couples to pray together, husband and wife to pray together, in addition to praying personally, is something that I wonder to myself, how many married couples actually do that? Right. And and Steve yeah. and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, but it would be great if the nights too were challenged to say, you know, when was the last time you actually sat with your wife and together prayed? Right. That could be transformative. That's right. right. And it it is it is part of the series as well to challenge couples to do that. Yeah. But again, as we said earlier, how do I do that? How do I get started? Mm-hmm. And so we try to teach that as well. Uh is with anything, if you get started and you're trying different techniques or different types of prayer, momentum does happen. Like you, you start to get, because as odd as it sounds, if I've never prayed with my wife, 
it could be actually uncomfortable. This person that I'm with all the time, but when I go to pray with her, it's awkward, but it, it gets less and less awkward very quickly because you're, you're just, right. you're, you're doing right. it, you know, it, it completes the unity. Yes. Even that part of your life you're sharing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But of course it could be awkward too, because yeah, I mean, again, you're going to, in prayer, I would hope people are brutally honest before God of their desires and their sure. hopes and all the rest. And sometimes you, the, you may not initially want to share that with your husband or wife, in this case, wives for us. Sure. It's just interesting. Um, if, if, I, if I may, you yeah. and I first met almost 10 years ago. I think about it when and I was I young. Was very, yeah, my was, younger days. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was, I was sick at the time. If you may or may yes, recall, I do. and I just, I only throw that out there because my wife and I, just, I had, I had cancer, and uh, glory to God, I'm, I'm fine now. But it was through suffering that my wife and I turned to prayer, daily prayer. I wish I could tell you we're married 26 years. I wish I could tell you that we prayed every day together before that. We didn't but it was through suffering mm -hmm. that we turned to prayer and it was life-changing. So mm -hmm. now we pray together every day. Um, and so I only offer that because sometimes it's God will use suffering to bring us to him. What, uh, it's, it's the privileged way. Yeah. Because why would we think we would have a more privileged way of doing it than the Lord? Mm. Which again, for most Christians comes as a big revelation. Like, well, why am I suffering? But, but, did you ever look at what's hanging on your on your neck? Yeah. What, what do you mean? Yeah. Right? It's the ultimate self-emptying so that in the ultimate surrender, you will find the ultimate assurance that even if I were to die today, I'm not dying into nothing. I'm dying into the hands of God. Amen. Yes. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. But you're also doing, you're a very busy man. You're also doing work in the Bible and, and sacred scripture. And what is that all about? Well, uh, Patrick Kelly, our Supreme Knight, he's head of the Knights of Columbus, he said, I really want to create a Bible study for men. And this was approximately two years ago. And I said, oh, that no problem. And so I just, <laughs> we started Googling and researching and we'll just find a great men's Bible study that's out there. And we were very wrong. They don't exist. <clears throat> and I apologize if someone's listening that says they do, but we couldn't find them anywhere. And we were connected with a lot of people that are in the know. And they said, no, it's, there's some for women that are excellent. And there's mm -hmm. some lots of general ones, but mm -hmm. not for men. And so I thought, oh gosh, so it doesn't, it's, we can't just steal one and, you know, and promote that. And so it's borrow. We, we don't steal. Borrow, we borrow. Sure, that's correct. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we started this process and we brought in some really smart people and, we created a men's Bible study called Men of the Word. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, you, obviously, there's so many ways you can go at this, but we just looked at salvation history and we wanted everything we're creating now, we want to fit into core, which hopefully makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we made a 12-part uh, Bible study. Mm -hmm. uh, there's eight sections of it, which are our traditional Bible study, uh, but it's on for men. And then every fourth uh, session is Lectio Divina. So we want to teach men also how to pray with Scripture, but it's based on what they just went through in the sessions before. Mm -hmm. and so, um, it, mm -hmm. again, it's a 12-part um, 
series, if you will. But we, we also feel like I keep saying this and I apologize, but everything is, we want to teach them how to do it. So we tried to make it as spoon fed as possible. So when you open this up, if you're the leader or the participant, very simple how to get through it. Lexio Divina is not something a lot of people have even heard of. So how do you, how do you pray with scripture? It's, we try to make it a very simple step-by-step guide as to literally what to do, even how long to do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's a guide. And, um, we've already, um, we've already had 5,000 copies go out in, in a matter of months. And so with no marketing, so there's, there's a real need for that desire, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. Um, for that mm-hmm. resource. I'd be curious to see how you, that series would compare to, let's say, Walking with Purpose yeah. and this, because there is a, a, there's a universal methodology and then there is a, univer, a, a methodology that is geared more towards, let's say, women versus men. Uh, okay. And people would say, all right, Bishop, what does that mean? I'm guessing now. But the way discussion is done the amount of uh, what asks are made in the concrete could be somewhat different. Like I find, Damien, men, their spirituality in part has to be concrete. They got to do something. They got to do something concrete. That's right. Right? It's exactly right. Walking, it's walking with purpose, interestingly enough, was one of the models we had yeah. in that mm-hmm. to not to repeat what you said, but they found a way to ask the questions in the right way to create the environment that they're literally in. That, that's actually a very important part of their process so that when the women come together, they, they enjoy being there, but the way the questions are asked, the, the examples that are used, all of that is geared towards them. And so we modeled it in the sense of how do we do that for men? And mm-hmm. so it is, it is about how you ask the questions. It is about putting it into action, going to do something with mm-hmm, what you just mm-hmm, prayed mm-hmm, or learned about. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, now I'm going to ask, may I ask yeah. you a, a really tough question? Okay. All right. Steve, uh, and Steve, you have to answer this question too, so you're not escaping either. All right. But in the end, what I find is um, the level of sharing that's established in um, among women who walk together in faith is easy easy is not the right word, becomes fruitful faster than men who walk together in faith, in part because creating the safe space for men is not the same way, you don't do it the same way as women do. And so my question is, how do we, how, how do, what can we do to help men create a safe space where they could drop all their masks and all their pretense and all their, you know, bravado and actually speak from the heart, right? To their brothers. Is, does that make sense? That question, what can we do to make that happen faster, easier, more effective? I, I'm sorry, Steve. You wanted to go first. Oh no, I, he's I, definitely I, punting the ball to you. I can see it in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mic's not working. <laughs> so my 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 pushback, if I may, is yes, of course. Is it meant to be? And not that we'll have the answer right now, but is mm-hmm. it meant to be faster? I don't. I don't know. I just know that 
let's put the Bible study on the shelf for a second, right? Mm -hmm. Just, and, um, and I'm not suggesting this is the only way, mm -hmm. but I have found that sitting on my porch, and this mm -hmm. happened many times, could be priest, layman, a cigar, scotch, and a few chairs. It's amazing just sitting with another man, those scar and scotch isn't necessary, but it's, you know, it's, it is a bit of an equalizer. You're just sitting out and hanging around together. I have found that some men are eager to jump right in, just want to start talking. I have also found I have a neighbor down the street, three houses down. I could see a house right out through the window. Uh, he has been struggling with faith for 30 years. It probably took a year for him to trust me because they had baggage, you know, all kinds of, they hated the church. And after 30 years, he went back to confession. It was an unbelievable experience, but it was the, but it depends on who that guy is. There's a, and I think mm -hmm. we have a very hard time men being vulnerable with each other. That's the point. Oh yeah. That's and, the point. That's and the vulnerable point. me, which the irony is if I'm vulnerable with you, mm -hmm. we, we are becoming friends now. Yeah, exactly. Vulnerable doesn't mean weak, by the way, but it's, right. it's, you know, I'm, I'm, these are my struggle with this, or maybe right. I have an issue there. I don't know, but I'm willing to share some vulnerability with you mm -hmm. and you're not going to like step all over me or, you know, make fun of me or whatever that is. And, and you receive that and then give, you know, to have a, to start a discussion. We are now becoming friends. Right. A lot of people call each other friends, but they're right. not really, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Your, your point is well taken, Damien. Fester is not the right word, not the right way, but I guess more fruitful is what I'm really saying. Speed is not the issue, but men could be part of a group that is superficial f longer. It could be a whole lifetime, actually. Sure. Yeah. So in whatever we do, how do we create the environment that allows somebody to take the first step and become a little bit more vulnerable? Because that invites others to become a little bit more vulnerable, starts creating friendship. Mm -hmm. Because we've spent too much time in the last 50, 60 years as a church on the surface of things. We got to get to the, the real roots of things, right? Where, where the spirit's really working. Not That's so right. much, you know hanging out that's that's my concern I, my sense is women uh, find it not always but women find it easier to take that first initial step men are more guarded at least in my experience it has been that yeah mm -hmm. i would agree yeah i think i think men really want that connection mm -hmm. though we just don't know how to do it and i th and based on what you've said in the past mm -hmm. excellency you know you need to you need to develop a relationship first. Mm -hmm. And then what you're saying, Damien, I agree. Like once you start to have a, some sort of relationship, if you're vulnerable first, if you open first, that really, that brings people's guards mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. well, you can do it one-on-one, but also, for example, in Ridgefield, there's a, a large men's group that meets every Saturday mm -hmm. morning that I'm not as faithful about attending as I should be because it starts at six 30 on a Saturday morning. But, um, but those men, the, most of those men have known each other for many, many years and are very, they've got that, that what you're mm -hmm. describing, Damien, what you're, mm -hmm. what you're asking about excellency. They have mm -hmm. that there. I mm -hmm. see it. Mm -hmm. So yep. did the apostles. Mm -hmm. Because they all went through the mystery of suffering. 
they all had to be reconciled, right? They all, all but one betrayed the Lord in varying ways. But then right. once they went through that, I, that, I mean, talk about a, a band, talk about a, a bond, right? Talk about a fraternity and the, an intimacy in, the, in a beautiful sense. That's what, the, even though they were missionaries, but they had that. Yep. See, so could every, could you imagine if every core group were like that? You That's the bonfire yeah. you would create in the church, right? That, I mean, hopefully that's God's will. That is absolutely the goal. You, know, you mentioned the apostles. Uh, and we forget that a lot of them are they're fishermen. Mm-hmm. And fishermen are often introverts. They're not extroverts. They love going out and being on the boat or alone. on the dock. <laughs> alone. Nobody bother me. <laughs> it's true. And yes. so we have to remember that some of these guys that, you know, they're they're not comfortable right away being in a group setting like this or, or they maybe with one guy or something, but the apostles, I'm sure at first it was like, okay, this is it's a lot. Right. And to preach to after Pentecost. Hours. Yeah. Imagine. And after Pentecost preaching fearlessly the way they did and drawing attention to themselves and yeah. not just because they put their lives at risk, which they did, but quite frankly, to your point, which is an excellent point, it, it's, you're stretching even beyond your 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 natural or acquired tendencies, right? It's, it reminds me that I'm powerless without God, though. Right. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, well, that's not my skill set. I'm not mm-hmm. comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And God said, mm-hmm. we don't have to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be. Yeah. I'm calling you to this. Mm-hmm. I will do that. You know, mm-hmm. you, I'm your strength. Mm-hmm. You know, but we often all, it's where we all fall into this trap where we say, I can't I'm, do this I'm, or that. Yeah. I'm curious, in your planning or at the nights, is there any conversation about gearing material specifically to young men? Young men, not just men in general, but young men. Is there any conversation about that going there on? There is. As a matter of fact, uh, it's a recent conversation that's come up uh, where because the series is now taking off really well. What if we started focusing on young men, but and to narrow it down even more, how to be a father in a family, how to do that? You know, um, I don't know if that's out there either right now, like anyone trying yeah. to teach that. Right. And right. so, yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, no, it's extraordinarily important. Right? And it has a disproportionate effect on faith. And the passing on of faith to children. We've, we all know that, yeah. fathers. And in some way, shape, or form, at least in the culture I grew up, far too many men were comfortable ceding the faith thing to their wives and yeah. to the women, right? And they would just literally stand outside of church. I mean, they go to church. They won't go into church. They would go to church. It's like by osmosis. They think that they got what was going on inside. Uh, and I don't think it's Italians and Italian Americans are the only ones no. that had that streak in the in that. And it's 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 strange, right? Yeah. That that we evolved to that. Yeah. It it is, and uh, I I know that I must be the spiritual head of my family. I know that I must. Uh, be the leader of that. That is nothing against my wife at all. As a matter of fact, we have to do this together, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it's amazing to look at the data that's out there and how it affects the family for generations, actually, not just the immediate family. Um, but the flip side is if the husband is living his faith, not perfectly, but to the best of his ability mm-hmm. is going to mass and praying together as a family dramatically affects the kids 
dramatically. Oh, yeah. Especially you going know. to mass. Especially going to mass. Absolutely. Right. I would actually argue that and participating. Mm-hmm. Because some guys will just sit there. But if they're they're participating in mass, obviously praying with the mass, mm-hmm. uh, it makes a huge difference. The kids are watching. They're absolutely watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. So um, a- any other exciting projects on the horizon that you're free to tell us without revealing super secret strategic planning? <laughs> <laughs> I think those are the... Those are the big ones for now. I'm laughing because we're known for our secrecy, but for anyone listening, all of that is is gone. There's no more secrecy. Everything. Oh, is to come the on! Don't tell them there's no secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I can't do that. Can't tell you about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I have to say though, I, um, the nights have in the last since I've been ordained, which is 37 years. Um, the progress that's being made is really just incredible, right? Because there was a lot of criticism level that, you know, the councils were really just social entities. Mm-hmm. But in the last, particular last 10 years, and a lot of your work, which is great, no one can honestly say that who has any idea of reality, yeah. that that's not the case, right? There's always but- going to be a social element like we talked about. But now they're really coming into the work of the, of the the fundamental work of evangelization, yeah, just like it started with, yeah. To your point, right? And it's so, it's all about. Thank you for those kind words. And it it all comes down to leadership. And uh, I would say Carl Anderson first, and then Pastor Kelly is is mm-hmm. taking the reins and will run with them. I mean, his primary focus are the leader of the nights is is evangelization. Period. Mm-hmm. And everything else is extremely important, but he's yeah. Uh, right. Unapologetically made it very clear we faith first and then it permeates everything mm-hmm. else right. that we do. And right. so that's right. deeply inspiring for me. Yeah. Well, you're doing great work, Damien. So uh, God bless you. You have my prayers. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Bishop. Yeah. Oh. So one more break. Uh, Bishop Caggiano has been speaking with Damien O'Connor, the Vice President of Evangelization and Faith Formation for the Knights of Columbus. We'll be back with a listener question. Hey, this is Matt Sparazza from The Tangent. Each week on The Tangent, my co-host, Father Sam Kachuba, and I go on tangents to show how intertwined the Catholic faith and our culture really are. With guests like Scott Hahn, Dr. Greg Pitaro, Kristalina Everett, and so many more, The Tangent is always entertaining and informative. Check us out on Fridays at 12.30 on 103.9 FM, 1350 AM, anytime on the Veritas app, or wherever you get your podcasts. God bless. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Okay, Excellency, uh, here is this week's listener question. It simply says, Bishop Frank, what advice would you give to a young new bishop just starting? Oh my gosh, I told you at our break, the, the, my initial reaction was to say, run, run, run. <laughs> no, 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 I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the, the word I would give to them is courage. Have courage. There's the time for the courageous. If you judge our ministry, that is the ministry of a bishop, against the standards of the secular world, 
you could easily be overwhelmed by all the administrative and personnel challenges and everything else going on. But you don't judge it against that. You judge it against being the instrument of God's grace and they just have courage, right? Do what you can and it's God's church. He will take care of what I, you, all of us cannot do for ourselves. So courage and don't run. Yep. That was the part that I went. <laughs> and, and for lay people, we should definitely pray for mm -hmm. our bishops. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, you can send it in on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Foundations in Faith. It's a grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization that makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Damian O'Connor, you're doing such great work and what a great conversation. Thank you very much for being with us. Where can folks learn more about the Knights and all the awesome programs you're talking well, about? Well, thank you again uh, for having me on. Uh, I would We have three websites, but I'll give you one where you could pretty much find it all there. It's kfc.org slash core, C-O-R. Uh, and you'll learn more about core. You'll uh, also have access to all the resources that we currently have. Excellent. Great. So it's kofc.org slash C-O-R. Great. Damien, keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Yeah. And shall we pray? Sure. Yes. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, we give you thanks for this time we have spent together and also for the mission that we share to proclaim the good news of your Son's life and mercy in our midst and the invitation to one day share it forever in glory. We ask that you continue to bless all those who are listening, all of our families, all those whom we love and serve, and keep us faithful to the end. For we ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Damien. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Steve, I see you next week. Yes. Thanks, right, Damien. Thank, thank you. Thanks,